Well, we're wrapping up our look at the book of Habakkuk today. And if you'll recall, Habakkuk means to wrestle. And as we have been going through it, we have seen that Habakkuk has been wrestling with some things that have concerned him. And we have looked and seen in chapter 1 that it's okay to ask God questions. And then we've seen that even as we ask questions in faith and we get answers, we have to wait. In chapter 2, we talked about waiting. And so many times it's so hard to wait. But now then we're in chapter 3 and we see that even through what's going on and even though circumstances don't change, Habakkuk's faith and worship of God winds up going to a new level that he's never known before. You know, the New Testament way of actually representing this principle is found in the book of James, the first chapter, and it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of different kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete without lacking anything. You know, a lot of people want to have this very intimate faith with God, but don't recognize that God will often use the valleys in our lives to prove his faithfulness and to bring you to a what we could call a chapter 3 type of faith. Habakkuk chapter 3 uh, verse 1 begins by saying a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. And then it goes on, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. He's saying, God, I've heard about your miracles. I've heard about your power. I've heard about your glory. And I remember them, but God, you're not doing it right now. You know, there are seasons uh, in my past where God's presence just seemed more real than at other times. And then there were seasons uh, when his power just seemed so evident. It was like God was doing this and then God was doing that. And then all of a sudden I might wake up one morning and then I'm like, God, I know that you can but you're not. Renew what you used to do. I know you can. God, do it again. And that's very much what Habakkuk is saying. In fact, the Hebrew word that's translated renew is the word kaya. Let's everybody say kaya. Let's do it again. Kaya. Yeah. And that means to renew. It means to revive. It means to restore. God, I remember what you used to do. God, do it again. We can look at our nation 
And we can look at, uh, at the mainline churches and we can see how uh, our nation has just drifted so far from God. And we've seen on two different occasions in our nation, maybe more, great revivals take place. And our nation being brought back to God, not through uh, programs in churches or this or that, it's always happened when God just sovereignly started to move. And so that should be our prayer for our nation. God, do it again. Revive us, O oh Lord. When you're in the valley, when circumstances aren't changing or improving, how do you by faith come up out of the valley, or you might even call it a hole. Let's face it, some of you aren't just in a valley. Some of you this morning are in a hole, a real crisis of faith. How do you get back out of that hole? Today we're going to look at three things that Habakkuk the prophet did that we can apply directly to our lives. And the first one is this. We're going to learn to remember what God has done. Look back, look back, and all of you can look back and see those times whenever it just looked like there wasn't a way, and somehow God made a way. Look back and remember the faithfulness, the character, and the goodness of God. Remember what he has done. This is what Habakkuk is doing here in chapter 3. In verse 3, he uh, recalls the time when God delivered the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. He parted the Red Sea, and they went through. The sea closed up. The Egyptians drowned. And God took his people to the very place where Habakkuk was praying when he was praying to God. Or whatever they were. Anyway, the thing is, where he was standing was a testimony to the power of God that his people were no longer slaves in Egypt, but now a nation under God where they were. It was an evidence to him of God's power and a reminder. It was a place they found a refuge and uh, became the new people of God again. And so he's uh, saying, I remember that. I can see that. Just as God would often have people build an altar to remember what God had done. In the New Testament, and even this morning, we're going to take wine, and we're going to take bread, and we're going to remember what Jesus did. That great and mighty act that brought us salvation, that saved us when we could not save ourselves and this is what Habakkuk is doing. God, I remember what you're capable of doing. Renew those deeds in our day. And that should be the prayer for us in our nation and where we are today. Whenever I'm in the valley, sometimes I just have to remember. I just have to remember. I have to go back to who I know God is when I don't see him. I can remember what he's done in the past. So what do you do in the valley? You remember what God has done. The first thing that you do, 
you remember. The second thing that you do is you accept what God is doing. You accept what God is doing. Now, this doesn't mean that you just roll over and play dead and not pray for a miracle. But when you're in the valley, it's time to acknowledge that you're in the valley. If you don't acknowledge where you are, there's no way that God can help you get out. Or if God has directly spoken, spoken as he did with uh, Habakkuk, if God has spoken and, and uh, said uh, something, then you accept what God has said. Because many Christians don't. They are what you could call Christian hits. H-I-T-S or hits Christians. Let me put it like that. Do you know what a hits Christian is? That's an acronym, H-I-T-S, heads in the sand, hits, head in the sand, Christian. Too many Christians just put their heads in the sand. When the doctor says, hey, your health's not very good, <clears throat> you need to make some changes instead of facing the truth, they just put their head in the sand. <clears throat> when their marriage is in trouble, <clears throat> And their spouse says, hey, we need counseling. They go, nah, it'll work out. And they just put their head in the sand. Sometimes when finances are bad, people say, but I want the house. I want the house. So I'm going to get the house anyway. So they buy the house on faith. But really, that's not faith. They just put their head in the sand. They haven't seen things the way they really are. When the storm is coming, some Christians don't prepare. They don't face the truth. They just put their head in the sand. And maybe God is saying to you this morning, pull your head out. Pull your head out of the sand. We're now in a place just like Habakkuk was in. If you'll recall, God had told Habakkuk, uh, in response to the fact, remember Habakkuk was complaining about how horrible the children of Israel had become. How there was no justice in the land, how people just weren't treating each other right. They were cheating each other. There was just immorality everywhere. Uh, godlessness was just abounding. And he was complaining to God about this and said, why aren't you doing anything? And remember God says, I am Habakkuk. I am doing something. And then he told Habakkuk what he was doing. If you'll recall, he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians. The Babylonians, that's the people from Iran, isn't it? Or is it Iraq? Hmm? Iraq? Yeah, yeah, Iraq. I mean, we see we've still got so much. I'm raising up the Iraqians or, or I'm raising up people over in the Middle East. And they are going to come in and they're going to do some bad stuff to you. And then remember Habakkuk said, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Those guys are worse than we are. And the thing is that God says, trust me, I've got a plan. The Babylonians are going to get theirs too. And so that's kind of where Habakkuk is left. But we're in a, in a very similar situation. We have been told what's going on around us right now, haven't we? But so many of us have had our heads in the sand and we don't want to see. Look what Jesus says 
in uh, the 24th chapter of uh, Matthew, uh, beginning with the third verse. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Does that sound current? Uh, see that you are not frightened for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's like right out of today's newspaper, isn't it? And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. He could add in there tsunamis and a few other major forest fires. Just you, It's all right here. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And uh, it goes on. And then, well, I'll go ahead and read the rest of it. And uh, you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. We're in the last days. God has said these things are going to happen. They are happening. Do we acknowledge that they're going, that they're happening? And uh, the thing is, does it cause our hearts to leap within us with joy, knowing that God's word is true? You see, that's just it. God, he knew, uh, Habakkuk knew, that if these things came about, it proved all the rest of God's promises. And it proved that he's going to have a place in heaven, you see. So even when these tough things happen, whenever we know that they're of the Lord, we know that somehow in the end, everything's going to be okay. Look on over and Paul tells us that he's talking to Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, beginning with the third verse or third chapter. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Isn't that right out of uh, just what's happening all around us today? Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And there are people like that that we're trying to elect to positions in churches today. But what does Paul say? Avoid such people as these. Again, this 
is just right out of today's paper. It's out of today's news. But do we see it? And if we do see it, how do we handle it? Do we just get all distraught? Or do we see, are we encouraged when we see that God's word is so true that it is going to happen? Well, too many people just want to deny the reality of what's going on. Doesn't mean we can't pray for a miracle. Yes, we can and we should. And we need to be praying for a new revival. And uh, sometimes whenever a nation comes to repentance, even though God was getting ready to wipe them out, remember Nineveh, they repented and God turned things around. So we can and we should. But God has spoken clearly. And so we have to accept what, is, what God is doing, even when we don't like it. We can't have our heads in the sand. And you can see this come about in Habakkuk's uh, verse 16. Here's what it says, and he's speaking about hearing the message of God. He said, I'm going to use the Babylonians to destroy you. So here's what he said. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Can you feel what he felt? He says, my heart was just bumping in my chest. My lips uh, uh, were just quivering and my, my legs, they, they shook. I realized that what God said is going to come to pass and it's not going to be pleasant. Now, I want you to hear this. God has spoken and Habakkuk did not go into his hits phase. He didn't stick his head in the sand. Instead, he looked truth squarely in the face and said, this is not going to be a fun season. A lot of innocent people are going to die. Probably me, probably those that I love. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed and I don't like it, but I trust God. Even though I fully don't understand, I trust God. It's not a denial. It's not a denial, but he says the sovereign hand of God is doing something here. God has spoken, so I'll accept what he is doing. As difficult as it is for me to accept, I will accept it. Sometime something is going to happen that we don't like, or maybe something has already happened that we don't like, and we just have to accept it. We remember what he did. We accept what he is doing. And the last thing, we trust what he is going to do. And this is found very clearly in verses 17 and verses 18. Some of the richest verses in this whole story. He says, I don't understand it. I don't like it, but I see what's going to happen. And so he says, though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the field produces no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, though I've got no reason to rejoice, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. 
when he has no reason whatsoever physically and visibly to rejoice. He says, even though things get really bad, even though in your life it may be, even though my spouse said till death does us part and he or she hasn't lived up to this, or uh, uh, anyway, I'll rejoice. Even though I raised my kids to know better and they're making scary decisions right now, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though we prayed physically for someone to get better and they're actually getting worse, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though our house won't sell and we need it to sell desperately, yet I will still trust in the Lord my God. Even though finances are tough, and it costs a fortune to fill my gas tank, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it, even though I know he could and he should, but he's not, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. I pray that every single one of you would grow into what I've, what you could call just a Habakkuk 3, or chapter 3, type of faith. But here's the deal. You can't have a chapter three type of faith if you until you've had a chapter one kind of questioning and a chapter two kind of waiting. Because God to do can do more spiritually in the valley than he does on the mountaintop. And those who are closest to God, they have been through this. And in the low times God proves his faithfulness and his character and his grace and his goodness. I read something that Timothy Keller said this morning, and he just kind of wraps all this up in one neat little package. He says, if you say, I believed in God, I trusted God, and he didn't come through, you only trusted in God to meet your agenda. I'm going to repeat that. Y'all listen carefully to this. If you say, I believed in God, I trusted God, and he did not come through, you only trusted God to meet your agenda. And this is just it. His agenda is a lot bigger and a lot more important than ours. And so we need to pull our heads out of the sand and look and see. His word has spelled out God's agenda. And his agenda is coming about whether we like it or not. And Jesus told us whenever we see these things coming about, look up because your redemption draws nigh. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.